Max Verstappen gets the win after sending it from third to first by turn two on the opening lap and staying there. Hamilton couldn't get close to Red Bull's pace during the entire race, and Mexico throws an awesome event that looked almost as good as Coda. All this and more on this episode of the Racing Line Podcast. evening and welcome to another episode of the Racing Line podcast. Um, tonight we're going to be reviewing the latest Formula One race that took place uh, in Mexico City last night. Men, what a race, what a time in the championship. Um, it's great to have you guys with us and we'll just jump straight into it. Harry, let's go, mate. Yeah, so I came into this weekend super keen for a great race. Um, I love the layout of this track. You know, playing it on F1 2021, it's probably one of my favourite tracks. Um, How much did they I- pay you just to... To yeah. promote the game for him. I wish. I wish. Put it a seemed like master shirt it, on, mate. <laughs> it seemed like DR was bloody playing F1 2021 today with a couple <laughs> of those incidents. Um, but I've also, like, I've always enjoyed watching the races here as well. Um, Quali threw up a huge surprise. I was not expecting the Mercs to lock out the front row. Um, I thought we'd be in for a pretty good race after that. But the start showed how valuable it was to start on the second row, not the, not the front row. Max got a massive toe. Um, it was quite rapid off the start and VB surprisingly left that racing line open for him as well for him to be ahead at the end of turn one. Um, I think Daniel got an awesome start, but uh, missed his breaking point a little bit, locked up. But I think also the fact that Bottas broke really, really early and turned in, um, I think it was a bit of bit of both. That's why there was no penalties handed out, even though Toto was blowing up at the end of the race. Um, when you break at the 150 meter board, it's kind of your fault as well, right? Yeah, that's right. So, but racing incident, I think that's why the, the stewards let it go. Um, yeah, there, there was carnage for the back as well. Yuki was out of the race pretty early. Um, he did not have a great weekend, especially with the Q3 issue that happened with Red Bull. Um, and Mick was out as well, Schumacher. So from there, it said it seemed to settle into a bit of a pattern. Um, and I'll rewatch the highlights today. And Joseph, what are you drinking? Sorry, Harry. That's all right. Water, man. <laughs> bottle of water I've ever seen. Uh, I want to get pontolitis. I've got to keep myself hydrated. Yeah, that's right. right. Keep going, hey. Sorry, mate. <laughs> that's all right. Um, yeah, it settled into a bit of a pattern, but I watched the highlights today, and I think when a fair chunk of the highlight package is the pit stops, you know there wasn't much happening on track, and it was very much strategy-based. Uh Daniel and VB fighting over over 11th for a large stint of the race was probably the most exciting battle on track. Um, And there just seemed to be gaps all over the field. Like there was no one really, you know, within overtaking range. And the ones that were, was kind of like a DRS train. So there wasn't much happening. Um, In fourth, Gasly ran a fairly anonymous, but really impressive race, I feel. Um, The Ferrari duo were fifth and sixth, and it was an important points haul over the McLarens for third in the constructors. Um, Seb was seventh for Aston Martin ahead of former teammate and current Alpha driver, Kimi, um, who was eighth, and Fernando ninth. What a, what a throwback that is, those three in the top ten. Um, and Lando did pretty well to fight his way back into the points um, after the penalties of the power unit. Uh, the one thing that I thought this race did show was that Red Bull definitely have an advantage at the moment over the Mercs. And I feel that the the championship is theirs to lose at this point. I, th- I agree, but I, I, 
I don't know if they do have an advantage, to be honest with you. I thought after qualifying that we saw just how how together Mercedes are again in relation to getting their getting their speed back. And they did look significantly faster. But again, that Mercedes, as we've spoken about multiple times over the last couple of weeks, seems to perform really well from the front. Um, but they don't really seem to be able to, you know, perform when they're chasing. And I don't know, too. To Verstappen's credit, he qualifying, he was a few tenths off all the way through. But when it came to the race, um, whether it was the ability to push on the tyres a little bit longer than the Mercedes or to push a little bit harder, um, yeah, they, they do really have some good race pace. And I think the fact that we saw Perez so strong as well shows that that team is, is ready for the championship. But I don't know. I don't, I'm, still, I'm still not sold that they're the better car. I think they've just got a really good driver and actually one of the questions that I was going to ask tonight was if if Max didn't take the lead off the start you know I think it could have been a very different race and I don't know how you guys feel about that but you know that was the first corner of the race but it was by far the you know the most important part of the race and then also uh, in relation to the championship uh, after qualifying I don't think people would have been expecting there to be such a huge swing in his favour um, come this morning. So I don't know how you, how you guys feel about that. I think that um, realistic, not realistic, I think that uh, Red Bull's former employer actually gave him a real big boost for this race when Ricardo had his little tangle with Botas because um, in the game of like Formula One chess, they um, Red uh, Mercedes lost a car literally in, on the first corner. As we were sort of talking about last week, when you have the ability to run a split strategy and sort of attack um, a car from both sides. Uh, we saw that for most of the race, um, McLaren, uh, not McLaren, Hamilton and his Mercedes had to really worry about what um, was happening with Perez. And that sort of gave um, Verstappen the free air and the ability to sort of run away with it because no one was really, really watching him. And I think that happened literally from the, from the first corner once he got in front. I'm not convinced that if Botas didn't get spun, though, he would have stayed ahead of Perez. Not really yeah. at all. He was. And I, yeah, I, I think the 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 rate at which Max pulled away from Lewis was was concerning. I think he was. Yeah. I, I think it was it was more than ten seconds. Like, that's just crazy. The fact that he's pulling away from a Merck driven by Lewis Hamilton in a championship battle. It's been great all year, and I'm worried that now Red Bull might start running away with it. That that pace deficit. I think it's race pace qualifying. I think they're quite they're quite close, but race pace seems that the Red Bull has the edge at the moment. Could it be? Could it have, could it have been that the Red Bull, um, well, when when cars weren't kind of all juiced up for that one qualifying lap, the uh, altitude played a little bit more of a part, just with like the the engine in its in its normal race spec, as opposed to you know in that one lap qualifying spec. Could that have been where we saw? the greatest advantage and does that continue i guess uh you know when we get back to to sea level interesting thoughts i guess we'll we'll find mm. out over the next few races there was something i watched on um on the formula one youtube channel this uh, probably the on the friday and they were discussing how the how tight the um the back end of the of the two cars are and how different it is and they're saying that the mercedes um, back end is so tight and the bodywork is so well fitted and tight to the um, to the back of the car, that uh, in high altitude um, races where the the air is so thin, they can they they could definitely run into um, 
cooling problems. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in the race today, just because they can't get enough air uh, into the uh, into the engine for it, uh, for it to cool efficiently. So you could also see that they might have been um, dealing just with the overheating issues and monitoring that all race. So you, it's a it's a, it's an interesting dilemma. Yeah, I I agree. Let's let's use that then to segue into the surprises and disappointments for the race. I think to begin, my biggest surprise was how um, strong Pierre Gasly was again. Well, it shouldn't really be a surprise right now, but um, he he kind of ran a similar race to what we saw from Leclerc in in um, in Turkey. He was you know kind of in no man's land. He was significantly faster than the Ferraris, who in turn have you know a new lease of life in relation to speed so that kind of says a lot for how that car performed but then also we can take into consideration that engine package and how it performs at high altitude but he was probably my biggest surprise um yeah i don't know how you guys feel about that agreed i I, I was happy with his performance because he hasn't had a he hasn't had a very like in that performance for a little while now um and i don't know if it was it's mainly with him or the Honda power unit, which there was three in the top four today, which is awesome for Honda. Like, why are you leaving? Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I think it was, it's, it's about time for him to go a little bit again. But also I think uh, with Danny Rick getting taken out on the first corner, like I'm not saying that he would have been there, but from the momentum that he's been carrying, I, w- I would have thought that he would have been, he would have been at the forefront of that, pack as well yeah um so so i think we might have the excitement factor that we're talking about that wasn't in that race we probably were missing that from that first corner incident other than that i'd say he he had a a boring but but awesome race in terms of bringing in the points yep i think um dr was ahead of him going into that first corner so if they escape that first corner without an incident i don't I don't imagine that Pierre would have got in front of that McLaren. I agree. Um, yeah. It, what, what actually would have been interesting to see if, if DR gets ahead of Botas and then um, Botas is stuck behind Ricardo, does Gasly get past Botas, knowing how gun shy Botas has been recently? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it, you know, it, I feel like that would have been a, probably a more interesting race than, than the race for up front that we saw. And we kind of got robbed from that a little bit. And with, um, with Lando starting from the rear of the grid, that kind of again took a little bit more of the juice out of out of um, out of the race. Well, I'll take that, and my probably my biggest disappointment of the race was what we've been talking about um, again, and that's Valtteri Bottas. So um, on Saturday, on top of the world, I was really happy for him to get the pole, and he did it pretty convincingly as well in relation to how strong he was over Hamilton, um, and then you know. Off the start, it was always going to be difficult for him to keep Max behind him because it is quite a long shoot. Um, but he did have the car position in the right spot. And I don't think there's really any excuse for Verstappen to have got around the outside of him into the first corner like he did. And when you watch the onboard and you see how um, tame he was, either he didn't expect Verstappen to break that deep, and that very well could have been the case, um, but even Hamilton on his inside, you know, went through extremely easily. So I don't know. I don't really know what the deal is. I mean, he's had a lot of 
he's had a lot of bad luck this year. He's done some great things as well. He had the dominant race win in Turkey, and then um, he was kind of nowhere uh, today. And I can't really, I don't know what to make of it. And even the way that he came through the field or didn't come through the field um, was a little bit disappointing again. Now, he, he was probably disadvantaged because he was stuck by the, behind the McLaren. And again, we've been talking about this for weeks now, but whenever that Mercedes gets stuck behind the McLaren, it's not really easy for the car to get past. But, I mean, he did have a few lunges. He did, you know, try a few things, which was good to see. But all in all, I think it was a very disappointing race. And I think this is, and we might talk about it a little bit later, but this could be something that comes back to haunt Mercedes uh, if performances like this keep occurring uh, and the champion or the constructors championship is now down to to one point. So that was my biggest disappointment from the race. I don't have anything against what Bozas did on the on the first corner. If you watch if you watch the aerial, Max outbreaks everyone and it's it's, it's mm-hmm. real beautiful move um and it's a daring move um yeah so i can't blame botas for that and i really can't even blame him for the first quarter uh, first corner incident I, I do think that he, he probably should have not should have in hindsight maybe given whoever was in his inside a bit more room he, he does cut the corner much more like a normal lap when you when you're not running side by side with someone mm. um and then and then also picking up on what you said about Coming through the field, like we were even discussing about how hard it was for Hamilton to overtake back markers, um, and and that car following other cars, and then you add on to it their um their overheating problems and the lack of pooling in the in the Mercedes. So, I mean, it's not an easy job, especially on a track like that. But but yeah, it was it was a it was definitely a lackluster performance, um, and you would to get past the arc a little bit quicker. That's for sure. Yeah, we've 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 seen Lewis behind Lando a few times earlier in the season. You know, he's behind him for f- ten laps, but then manages to get past him. The last two weeks in a row, VB has has not gotten past Daniel. Um, I, I just think it shows the difference in quality of the driver. I think it shows the lack of killer instinct. Um, and you know, I think VB's got ten wins in the most dominant car in one of the most dominant cars in Formula One history. You put someone else in that car alongside Lewis, they're taking more wins than 10 in four or five years. So, yeah, I just don't think... Nico Rosberg, I suppose. Yeah. 22 wins, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I don't think the guy is as good as everyone. I think he's been a great number two, but he's not the guy that you're hedging your bets on. Was there anything that you found interesting about this race in particular, Harry? Um... No, look, as I said, Pierre doing really well was uh, kind of the similar to you. I think um, Checo being so close to Lewis the whole race was really interesting for me. Um, Checo seems to have finally found the setup. He's finally found his feet in that team. Same with Daniel, same with Carlos. I think all three of them have, um, you know, gotten to, gotten to grips with the, their new cars. Um, yeah, that, that was probably the biggest surprise for me that Checo was so close to Lewis the whole race. Mm. Really still, I, I, um, well, I was going to say Checo. He was one of my surprises for a good reason. I mean, I think we've all wanted him well at Red Bull, so I think we all know he deserves a good, a good car. And the start of the year was a, was a bit underwhelming. But like Harry just said with, um, with uh, Daniel and also with uh, Carlos, 
now that now that he's finding his form, I really feel like he's actually if Red Bull can seal this constructors title, it's gonna be a lot of a lot of um good work done by him. Um and even just way of being able to um push Mercedes into places where they don't want to be pushed in terms of having to cover off him as well. Um one of my dislikes, which I don't know if you, what you guys think of this, is I feel like this the um the fastest lap point is the most is is such a stupid gimmick to me in terms of the racing. Like you see, um when when Verstappen set the fastest lap point, I thought you know like if you set it in that in that way from that position, like you deserve. Well, not deserve it because I think I've always thought it was stupid, but like, you know, like kudos to you, like you're in the front and you're still going to burn your tires doing it. But um, then you, the way you see like a team be like uh, how Mercedes sent Bottas in with two laps to go, strap on some new tires and then go out there just to eradicate it. I'm, 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 I was just thinking to myself, such a stupid rule if like you can do that, if you, if you can eradicate someone's hard work just by like, doing something that's it's not nonsensical it makes the the show look look a bit more farcical like you know what i mean i don't know if, if you guys think that the way they sent him in gave him new tires sent him out he couldn't do it put him back in gave him more new tires sent him out and he did it on the last and i just thought it, it didn't look good for the show i, 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 I yeah i think they it's they justified their one point ahead in the in the constructors but yeah, I, I agree. No, I think I, it's... I, I'm not. I'm not disputing that they that they did it. I'm mm. just disputing that how the rules have it set up. I just think it makes it just it doesn't add it doesn't add anything when when you can just eradicate it like that. And it just looks a bit. I don't know if the word is amateur or gimmicky, but it just it takes away, you know, what fastest laps really are. Like they're the fastest lap in a race where you're like you, before you you would set it trying to win. But now you can just go out there two laps to go, set a fastest lap, and it's just meh. I'm the only person trying to do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's very rare that we're going to see a Red Bull or a Mercedes in that position where they are going out specifically to kill that fastest lap. On you know, in the same token, we saw McLaren get the fastest lap at you know Austria early in the year, and that was you know, really cool for the team to be able to push for that last lap and get it. Um, I don't particularly have an issue with it. I think maybe the rule could be changed so that it's the fastest lap from a driver in the top 10. And that's where the point goes, as opposed to you only get the point if you finish in the top 10. But then at the same time, when the championship's tied or the constructors championship was tied, I thought that was really cool that there was still something for, you know, Mercedes to play for to try to get that point back. And in a weird way, even though Botas did nothing during the race, that was, you know, some level of, oh, you've been able to, you know, keep the championship in our, you know, favor, even if it's just by one point. So I don't know if, I don't, yeah, it's a bit farcical. It's a bit gimmicky. Um, but I think that that's more but down to the fact that Botas wasn't able to get into the, I think, you know, had he been able to get in the top 10 and finish in eighth or sixth uh, and get, you know, three points, well, that's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit better of an outcome, but you know the fact that he's in 12th and he's still fighting for that one point that's not really his, um, but taking it off Red Bull, I thought that was, um, you know, actually an interesting element of the race. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know how I, I don't know if I agree with your sentiment there. But at just... the end of the day, that rule was brought in when 2019. I think, I think so, yeah, yeah. The, the first year. 
Mercedes were, were totally dominant. I think the whole point of implementing it was to was to bring some something new to the show. Um, I don't know if we need it moving into the new ground effect era, but it's there at the moment. Um, and the, the thing I have with it that is, is is my main gripe is that there's only, there's always a certain set of circumstances like sort of that leads up to it. So you only you only try for it if if you're one of the top teams because you have a big enough behind you to push it. You know what I mean? Like you need to have mm. the you need to have the um the clearance to put on some ties and then go. So it's always the same circumstances that sort of brings about that that fastest lap rule. So you'll see Hamilton strap on a, a, a new pair with three laps to go just because he's got a 30 second lead to everyone else behind <laughs> him know, other than Max in front of him. Like I just in opposition to that point, if the the um the field gets closer next year like we're all hoping, well then that actual point might become a lot more fun. Because yeah, people don't have the luxury, would. don't have the luxury to go in and strap on, uh, you know, a pair of tires at the end of the race if they've got a thirty-second gap. Hopefully, those gaps, or you know, as large gaps like that, don't exist in twenty twenty-two. And then it's definitely more down to either someone using up their tires earlier in the stint to try to get that point, um, or you've just got someone who's outright faster. So I think that that might actually make for better racing going into next year. But but Going from that point that we're talking about with Mercedes right now and Botas's struggles, um, there's one point, as we've said before, between Mercedes and Red Bull in the Constructors' Championship. You know, Mercedes have that slender lead. Um, but I was thinking about this today, and I want to get your guys' opinion on it. So if Mercedes were to lose the Constructors' Championship and current form of the two teams would say that Red Bull are definitely in the ascendancy um, at this late stage in the season, do you think it would be considered catastrophic for Mercedes to lose um, the last championship in this particular era? And then also, are they the authors of their own demise by not pulling the pin on, on Botas, you know, a year or two ago? I don't think they're the, the, it'd be catastrophic. I mean, what, what is it now? Eight years in a row? Of both, is it eight years? It is, yeah. but this is the, this is the first year that they've had any serious opposition. I wouldn't say it's catastrophic, but I would also say that I think it's missed with uh, the way that they've handled the whole second driver fiasco. I think it, ha- it has it's it's it lacked um, clarity and and it's probably a little bit of um, well, you you wouldn't expect coming from a team like that. Let's put it that way. Um, you think they were but, a little bit too comfortable with the perceived think, speed that they had over the rest of the field coming into this year? I think they they probably thought that they were um they they probably had thought they were a bit more comfortable than they are, and they probably thought Botas would do a better job than he's done. That's for sure. Yeah. I think after last year when they were so dominant, there was not a car anywhere near them. They thought they could roll into this year because the cars are the same; they're the same car essentially except for the whole high rake, low rake issue that we had, but they changed the regs a little bit. Um, they thought that they could take this at a canter again. And good old Adrian Newey came up with a, a, a workaround and the Red Bulls, if, the same car, if not better at, at this point. If you, if, you look at, if you look at what Red Bull did, um, they took a gamble on, on taking a, a driver who, you, who they wouldn't really who they wouldn't usually pick. 
and and the whole reason was we need a, a stronger second driver. So if 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 Red Bull decide if they're not decide if they do win the constructors championship, I wouldn't blame it on Mercedes. I just really um sort of congratulate Red Bull for the, a bit of forward thinking and um taking a bit of a punt, you know, like a calculated punt that in the long run has paid dividends because they got probably the best driver on the market for them. All right. I like those points. Now, if I want to extrapolate on this further and say that um, Mercedes has seemed pretty comfortable to have Hamilton leading the team and Botas playing second fiddle role. And while the cars were uber competitive compared to the rest of the field, it seemed to work fairly well. The team could very easily, you know, have an issue, fall to the back of the grid and still finish first and second. But does the keeping of Botas, you know, when his position wasn't really deserved, um, do you think that might have also impacted Hamilton? Because, I mean, when you look at, even when I was listening to the radio today, right, a lot of the comments that he was making um, about the speed of the Red Bulls was all, it's, it's, it's fairly negative. It's fairly, uh, oh, we, you know, we don't, they're too fast for us. We don't have the speed, etc. Kind of a lot of things that we see from, from Hamilton. But the fact that he hasn't had that competition within the team that, you know, was evident when, when Rosberg was there and, there were, you know, there was still, you know, a really fiery competitive, you know, championship going on for those seasons. Has that potentially impacted Hamilton at all? Do you think? Now, I'm not saying that he's not a great racer. I'm not saying that he's still not one of the fastest guys on the field. But, um, you know, could he have been in a better state to take on Hamilton, uh, you know, if he was a little bit more match fit um, racing against someone that, you know, was faster than Botas? I don't think that has anything to do with um, the problem that Mercedes is facing. I think the problem that Mercedes is facing and what Hamilton probably needs is he needs someone who can play rear gunner on the back of that Red Bull. Because, I mean, and I'm, like I said, it's not Botas's fault, but also during the year, he, there has been some times when he hasn't been there. Um, and when, you're, when you've got a car in front of you and a car behind you, and you're racing for a championship, the car ahead of you, it eventually becomes a damage limitation sometimes, especially in conditions like today. And when there's no car putting pressure on your rival who's behind you, and they have free reign to sort of um, back you from behind, as well as the guy getting away from you at the, uh, in the front. Um, it's, I'm, I'm not saying that Hamilton needs someone to help him put be a better driver. He doesn't need that at all because Max hasn't needed anyone to push him to be a better driver. I just think he needs a bit of team help now that the, the championship has come down to two heavyweight teams that are able to sort of um, hit each other with finally like equal force blows i don't think it's a hamilton thing yeah okay i get that but then think about this also right you've got someone who's sitting on pole we've spoken about the obvious issue going into that first corner none of us are denying that there's a drag that can be gained from it but if you were to think about the position that botas is in and you're to think about hamilton lined up beside him and where verstappen had to come from to take the lead of that race right at the very least if everything goes to plan, Botas should have come out of that corner in second. Well, your, your, the thing you're missing is that there could be team orders that on the first corner, you're going to let Hamilton yeah, through. I get that. And, I, and I've, I have said that off air as well. I've said, listen, I, I expected him to let Hamilton through. That might have been why he 
let off the um, gas a little bit earlier into the corning so that Hamilton could have taken it. But if you looked at how much space Verstappen had on the outside, I mean, there was acres. There was so much room. And if you're talking about someone playing rear gunner, sorry, Harry, I'll let Hmm. you go in a second. But if you're talking about someone playing rear gunner, okay, yeah, that's fine to play rear gunner. But if you're in the lead of the race on the grid, okay, or starting from, from pole position, then your aim should not be rear gunner at that particular point. At the very least, you are not letting the biggest rival for the team go into the lead from such a, you know, such a crazy position. You need to watch that first corner again. That's all I'm going to say. I've watched it three times. He, yeah. He left the racing line open. I mean, Verstappen, if he was going that fast and he was being, and, and Botas put the car somewhere where he couldn't overtake, should have taken yeah. to the grass. Yep. There should have been no way that he could pull that car up realistically. He just left it open. I, I don't know if he wasn't looking on his left. He might have been looking at his right to let to let Hamilton yeah. through. That's true. But come on, if you're going down the straight and there's that much and, and everyone knows, you know, the toe exists there, then surely you're looking with Ham- where Verstappen is as well, considering he's behind you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we'll, we'll leave that part of the conversation there. Let's move on to something else. So um, the battle for third in the championship is becoming a little bit more defined right now. So... I think Ferrari's probably the clear favourites right now to take right, out the looking, championship. They're looking, looking good, really strong. I think the engine as well kind of bodes well for them in 2022, but you guys might want to elaborate on that further. But um, do you think this firmly shows that McLaren are focusing on 2022 um, and has the token spend that all the teams had earlier in the year that McLaren couldn't use because all of it went into the Mercedes engine? Could that be finally catching up with the team this late in the season? Um, yeah, look, um, I think I think I spoke to you before, Anthony, before we, we came on. Um, the fact that Mattia Bonotto hasn't been at the race, any race, I think since the summer break, um, I think that's been a big, big indicator for me that Ferrari are putting a lot into this engine. They're putting a lot into next year's car. Um, and that engine has seen a massive upturn in performance for them. Um, McLaren haven't really brought any updates, any developments. I don't know if they had any for Monza. I just think that was just their car was, you know, perfect for, for Monza, the layout of the track. I just think that Ferrari has got that new power unit. Their pace advantage is a lot more than the, the McLaren in the corners, I think down the straight, the McLaren still has it, but throughout the corners, I think the Ferrari is just, is just moving, moving ahead at this point. And it could change, you know, LaSalle could be a completely different story. Um, but I think, yeah, the Ferrari seems to be the better car at the moment, but it's been ebbing and flowing all year. The one thing I will say, their drivers have been more consistent. If you look at the driver's championship, they're both on very similar points. Um, even though Carlos did take a while to settle, Daniel's only on 105 points, and I think Lando's, you know, 60 points ahead of him. So that's where the the big difference is. Yep. It's it's interesting because if that car's had that much performance purely from strapping a better engine in the back of it, and Bonotto's been away developing the new car, and that's really been the only update to the car, then it looks pretty pretty good for them going into 2022. It has to be said. Check the fuel flow rate. 
you have any did you have any um, thoughts on 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 this topic, Joey? Um, not really. I mean, I think I think there is sort of a chance we could be looking into it a little bit too much. I think um, Ricardo's first corner incident took him out of the race, um, and he's been the informer McLaren um, driver. He would have been in front, and he had a slower car. He could have slowed them down a bit, and then. I mean, Lando was starting from the back. So, I mean, in terms of circumstances, McLaren had a pretty bad set of circumstances today to deal with. So, I mean, but, but having said that, I, 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 do, I definitely do probably have gotten better. Mm. That's, that's for sure. Like, consistent, like consistency, even the fact that you see both drivers running close together, that's a sign of a, like a pretty good thing because they're moving together. Um, but I do think we could be looking into a bit a bit too much, but... The, the main problem I see is that um, M- M- McLaren can't afford these kind of weekends. Mm. Like in this, in that, that's that's the biggest, the big takeaway from the, that third fourth battle, is that yeah. now that now that Ferrari's got their shit together, McLaren can't afford to have a incident on corner one and uh, starting from the back of the grid. Even you sort of have to sometimes. Yeah, I tend to agree, and it's it's really interesting because I think. Uh, you know, as a McLaren fan and someone who's always looking at where they are in the races, it's been pretty evident, probably since a little bit then, probably since a little bit before the mid-season break, when the engine still wasn't in the Ferrari, that the car was slightly better than the McLaren on all tracks that weren't low downforce. Mm. But but they but McLaren was really maximising their qualifying. Um, Lando was firing, and Ricardo, even though he wasn't as quick, was still coming in behind Lando. Um, but I was always, you know, I was always concerned that if, you know, there weren't the great weekends that Ferrari could really pull it in. And they, it seems like they're doing it now. I think even if Ricardo finishes fourth, they probably still lose a little bit to Ferrari in relation to the points, but it definitely would have been as dramatic. And we're at a point now where it's kind of 15 points. And that's a good place to, to, to um, change the conversation now to, to looking forward. So we've got Brazil. Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and Abu Dhabi still coming up, um, which is some like Brazil, phenomenal track. Qatar, it's a new track at the very least, so that creates some kind of unknown element, which is good for Formula One. Saudi Arabia is a new track as well, which again creates some kind of unknown. Um, but there's really two things to discuss here. The first thing to discuss is the um, the champion or the battle for the championship. So Hamilton versus Verstappen. And I think that over the last two weeks, Verstappen has done a fantastic job to eke out a lead in the championship. Um, I don't think we expected it to be, you know, to be to him, for him to be this far ahead with four races to go. So that, that's impressive for them. The second thing is that Red Bull is so close to Mercedes now in the Constructors' Championship, which is going to be really interesting. And then we've also got the championship for third in the Constructors' championship which is you know really tight as well so what are our thoughts of on on, you know kind of trying to predict uh you know where the championship takes us from here and what kind of things are you guys looking for uh in the last couple of races um like i said last week i think in terms of the drivers championship the ball is now firmly in verstappen court and that might be a bit 
four races to go, there's 100 point, 104 points up for grabs. That might, that might sound a little bit, you know, like, oh, like nothing's going to happen between now and then, like the, in, in four races. But in terms of um, having to push, what's the point difference now? 18 between the, two, the top two? I think so. Could be something like that. 18. So hypothetically, because I love the hypothetical point battles, um, you would say that the, the best chance for Red Bull to win one more race would be Interlagos. Um, and, and hypothetically, let's say Verstappen can snag win uh, Interlagos. He's then more than 20 points ahead of uh, Hamilton. With that in hand, you would expect him not to really push for another race win after that, I would expect. I think he's getting to the point where he's kind of almost got himself a chance to have have a bad weekend. That's that's I think what the biggest advantage for Verstappen is now. He can almost so I'm just looking at the points now. It's um, 19 points. So he's at the point now. If he wins another race, he has kind of given himself a free pass to a DNF or a free pass to another engine if he needs it. Um, well, which not, is well, not really if we're talking about the constructors as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I, um, yeah, that's true. But what we're talking about, just from the driver's point of view, he's kind of almost at the point where he can have a bad race and still win the championship. Um, and that's definitely something that Lewis can't. And we know that the Mercedes has um, aging engine in the back of it uh, in relation to what the Red Bull has. So that's, that's going to be a really interesting um, conversation as well. But I think the most important thing is we've got four races to go at two, at two brand new tracks. So what that does to the championship is fantastic. Uh, there's, there's an element of the unknown. There's an element of uh, seeing what driver can come to grips with two new tracks better. And I think one of those tracks suits the Red Bull and the other one suits the, the Mercedes as well. So that, that's, that's going to be a really interesting thing as well. And I think the last thing that, uh, that I think is, has been um, displayed over the last or the second half of the season is that Hamilton is winning the races that we're expecting him to win. So when the car looks competitive, he is. Um, but, ha- but Verstappen, particularly recently, is starting to win races that we aren't expecting him to win. And that might very well be, um, you know, what's playing into the championship. Taking into consideration this as well, had Lando Norris not made the mistake in, um, in Russia and kind of gifted Hamilton the win, um, we might be talking already about a 26-point lead in the championship, which is that... Getting, that are we forgetting um, the British Grand Prix as well? Yes. But then you've got Monza as well. Max takes out Lewis. So I think yeah. that one cancels each other out. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I think, I think at the very least, it's very interesting. What about McLaren McLaren and, and, and Ferrari? What do you think, Harry, going with four races to go? What's, what's your gut telling you? Who's got the advantage in these tracks? Look, McLaren's my favourite team. DR is clearly my favourite driver. My heart's saying McLaren, but I feel that Ferrari has the ascendancy, has the form on their side at the moment. Um, Into Lagos, I don't know. We haven't been there in the last two years or whatever it's been. So we don't know how good the McLaren's going to be. We don't know how good the Ferrari's going to be there. And it's a completely different Ferrari from when the last time we were there anyway. So... Um, yeah, look, it's, I think it's 13 points. Isn't, isn't a lot, you know, one car DNFs, 
um, say the Ferrari, one of their cars DNFs, you two McLaren, two two McLarens are in the top six. The the gap's shut again. So uh, that one's still, I think, up for grabs big time. But uh, as I said, yeah, I think the Ferrari's in the ascendancy for sure. If you think about it, with four races to go, it's about a three point difference between the um, the two cars in every race. That's that's nothing. Like mm. it, it's really nothing. Um, if you told me at the start of the year who I would think would have done a, had a better year this year, would like in terms of the constructors, I would have said I I think Ferrari will have a better year, and I still think that. And I think that Ferrari having coming third constructors doesn't do any, doesn't change anything about how good of a year McLaren has had snagging a victory, nearly having a victory at Russia. I mean, they've definitely showed enough, showed more than enough this year, probably for themselves, for their sponsors, for their they fans. Think. Like, if you, th- if you think about it, they've probably had a better year for their sponsors and their fans than Ferrari have, even if Ferrari have been beat them in the constructors. Their social they've, media team is on point. They've accrued honestly. more points than last year. They've accrued yeah, more points than last year. They're, they're more competitive than last year. They've now got a better lineup than last Oh. Yeah, debatable. debatable, but they they definitely haven't got a worse lineup than last year. Um, and I think that both teams, regardless, are just gonna just want to build up some momentum for next year. I think that's I think regardless of where those two teams finish this year, the fact that they are getting it together um, this season and they're competing against each other, they've it seems like they've both got really competitive engines in the back of them like we know the mercedes is good ferrari has taken it to another level which is awesome and if the new regulations do what we expect them to do and all teams at the front are hitting on all cylinders going into season 2022 then we might have the most competitive season in formula one since you know 2012 which is which is what we all want to see can i say something about ferrari just quickly as well just on a side note Think about how much of a dog their last engine must have been when you see that both their feeder teams have got no points. And they were, and, and we spoke about this off air, and they were doing pretty well before the fuel flip flow issue. They, as were, well. they were both doing, both Centaur uh, were doing relatively well for where they are. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it, um, you can definitely see, like, because you, you can always sort of measure the, the how good a, uh, the engine is from how the feeder teams are performing with it. Um, it, it definitely is a, is a, is a, was a dog. And I think that's probably also uh, one of the new Honda engine is they've only got two teams, but um, like it can definitely power that Toro Rosso to do some good things. So um, I'm, I'm happy for Ferrari that they've, they've finally sort of, um, you know they they they're getting a bit of I've got the stutters momentum going the right way. It's gonna make a highlight on the social. Yeah, yeah. Sound like a rotary engine, mate. All of that being said, guys, we don't have to wait very long for another F1 podcast to come out. We've got you know the triple header. We've just finished the first part of the triple header. Next week. The tour goes to uh, Interlagos, to the land of not the setting sun, but the land of Marit, Maritana, the land of Pele and Ayrton Senna, and some flamenco dancing. 
Um, so we'll have another podcast for and you next cartels. week. Pardon? <laughs> and yeah, and the favelas and cartels. Yep, definitely. Uh, well, you know what? That was in Mexico this week as well. So yeah, uh, that's it's kind of like like for like. But with all of that being said, thanks so much for joining us for another podcast. Please give us a like and subscribe on on the socials, and most importantly, um, share the word for this new podcast and, and try and try to you know keep building um, you know keep building the brand. So, gentlemen, thanks so much for jumping on. Um, for everyone that's listening, you'll have a second podcast out this week um, as we look into the um, latest MotoGP race that took took place in Portimao. Um, but thanks so much, guys. Have a great night, and I'll see you guys later in the week. Thanks, hey, boys. Thanks very much.